Appreciate the good song service. Uh, we had a great time of fellowship on Wednesday night. Uh, good uh, instruction from the scriptures and real blessing. Uh, thankful that uh, Elder Aquino was able to make it as we mentioned him in prayer. Um, that's a rough place to have a, a flat tire on 95. Um, we know of two people. One was a minister that had a flat on the interstate and uh, was trying to change it, and um, a car hit him, and uh, and he passed away. So we're thankful that the Lord blessed Brother Steve, and, and he's here this morning. What is Christ to you? What is Jesus Christ to you? We'll look at what some of the scriptures teach that Christ is to us, what he is for us. Certainly, this is not all inclusive, but just hitting on some of the, the high points. Jesus Christ is our salvation. Completely, solely. Jesus Christ is our friend. Jesus Christ is our counselor. Jesus Christ is our great physician. Jesus Christ is our high priest. And then the last one that we'll touch on is Jesus Christ is our encouragement. Jesus Christ is our salvation. Number one, Psalm chapter 18. And we'll, we'll just give you some verses if you want to... Uh, Go home and read them. Uh, would encourage you to do so, but we'll, we'll hit a couple of the high points. In Psalm chapter 18, David says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. And, and David just starts out and he just begins to highlight what the Lord is to him. And Jesus Christ is God that has come in the flesh. And Jesus Christ is our strength. He says, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. He is my God and he is my strength. You ever get weary along the way? We have one that doesn't become weary. That has all power over everything. And David says that the Lord is my strength. He says in whom I will trust. He is my buckler. And then he says, he is the horn of my salvation and he is my high tower. He says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of the ungodly men have made me afraid. David is saying right here that uh, the Lord is his strength. The Lord is his deliverer. The Lord is his 
uh, is his uh, buckler. And then he says he's his high tower. He's his rock. He's his fortress. And he says, the Lord is my salvation. He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried unto my God. And he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him, even into his ears. He says, the Lord is my salvation. In, uh, in Isaiah, a couple of really good places in Isaiah chapter 43. In Isaiah chapter 43, he says... Uh, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by my name. Thou art mine. So he's talking about his children. He's talking about his people. He's talking about the children of Israel. He says, and this is good news for us right here. The Lord being our salvation and our deliverer. The Lord is our salvation Right here and now. The Lord is our deliverance right here and now. But the Lord is also our salvation in an eternal sense that God has saved us and that he had all power and he saved us completely eternally as well. But here's some good news for us right here. He says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And though the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. He says, I gave Egypt for a ransom. He says, when you pass through the waters, we're going to have the challenging, difficult times in our life. But he says that when we go through the waters, they'll not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle thee. Because he says, I am the Lord. I am the Holy One. I am your salvation. Well, that ought to encourage us as we live here in this life. And then in verse 11, he says it again. I, even I, am the Lord. And he says, and besides me, there is no savior. If we're looking for a savior in another place, in another direction, we're going to be greatly disappointed because he declares himself. He declares to his people, to the children of Israel. He declares to you and I that he is our savior. In chapter 40, uh, 45, he mentions it again in chapter 45, verse, verses 21 and 22. He said, uh, tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time and who hath told it from that time? Have I the Lord, have not I the Lord? He says, and there is no God besides me. A just and a savior, there is none beside me. He said, there's, there's no other gods that's going to deliver us. There's no other gods that's going to save us. 
Moses says in Exodus chapter 15, verse 2, he said, the Lord is my strength and my song. He is become my salvation. He is my deliverer. In Daniel chapter 6, we read of Daniel being tossed into the, the den of lions and the Lord sending an angel to spare Daniel and the king going uh, before the lion's den the next morning and declaring that Daniel had been untouched by the lions. And Daniel declared that it was God that spared me. It was God that delivered me. And the king himself, the king uh, passed a decree, passed a, an announcement throughout all the land that, that the, the God that Daniel served was, a, was a, a God of all power. Daniel declares that the Lord is his strength and his deliverer and his salvation. God declares his power through the events that we experience here in this life. We realize that God is our strength and God is our deliverer as we live here in this life. But then the, the, the verse that declares it so ably in the New Testament in, in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 21, the declaration is made about Jesus Christ and who he is. As we, as we back up just a little bit, the angel declared to Joseph, it says... Uh, that while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord in verse 20 appeared saying unto Joseph. Now, I, I really expect that that God, who's in charge of the angels, would not have sent an angel to declare a message of all time if it wasn't 100 percent right. If it wasn't 100 percent appropriate, he sent the angel to Joseph and he says, fear not to take unto thee, marry thy wife. For that which thou, which, which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And then he begins to uh, point us toward Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being our Savior. Jesus Christ being our Deliverer. We see that Jesus Christ saves us and delivers, delivers us as we journey along in this life. But Jesus Christ had an ultimate purpose that God had given him, and that was to save us from our sins. And right here, the de declaration is made. The announcement is made by the angel unto Joseph. What a powerful verse that, that's here in verse 21. The angel said, Fear not to take Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived is of the Holy Ghost. And then verse 21, and, and such a hallmark verse of the New Testament and of the Scriptures. If you only get one verse today, uh, this is one you ought to hold on to. You ought to write it on the refrigerator on a sticky note or on the dash of the car or on your, your bathroom mirror. What a wonderful verse that describes the purpose and work uh, of Jesus Christ. The angel declares to Joseph and says that, that, that Christ is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And he says, and here is the purpose of Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. And she shall bring forth a son. That's Mary. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. I don't think they could have given him any other name because the angel declared what his name would be. Said, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And here is the purpose of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, the Savior of all time, that Jesus Christ would come to save his people from their sins. It doesn't say that Jesus Christ is saving all of Adam's race. 
But it says that there is a people that is given to Jesus Christ to represent upon the cross of Calvary and that the purpose of Jesus Christ was to save his people from their sins. Now I ask you, do you think he did it? I believe he did. I believe he did. Jesus Christ, if he did, he's your savior. He is. By the way, may I, may I borrow from our friends? He's your personal savior. He is. Because he saved you from your sins. Now I tell you what, if you don't get anything else, maybe you will, but if you don't, what a great, great point right there that the angel, the angel preached that message to us right there. And Jesus Christ fulfilled what the angel declared that he would do. In fact, if Jesus Christ had not fulfilled what his father had given him to do, he could not have declared with all authority, it's finished. And by the way, if there was something that we had to do to help him out, if he had to wait on us to come on the scene and help connect the dots, he couldn't have declared that it's finished. When he declared it was finished, I like that old song we sing, 347 or 367, it is finished. It is a great, great song because it has a great lesson because Jesus Christ finished the work. And that was, he took care of your salvation and of mine. So the next one. Anybody here? Like friends. You you want some more friends? I can tell you, not necessarily by experience, but by what the scriptures say about getting more friends. He said, You want more friends? You need to Show yourself friendly. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 says. I heard someone say the other day that if you want somebody to come to your funeral, you really need to be going to theirs. Now, I know some folks in my family that don't like funerals and I'm not just excited about them, but uh, it just comes with the territory. But I also feel like that God gives us some promises to be able to help the Lord's people in those times. And that's a great, great blessing. But here it says, if you want friends, here's, here's how you get them. A man, verse 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Do you know, sometimes I, I realize I'm just not, not friendly. When I get on a plane, I'm so excited to turn the phone off and just absolutely chill. And I'm not really excited about carrying on a lot of conversations or anything like that. And, and just not, not super friendly. So I don't have a whole lot of friends on the plane. Unlike Elder Harder, who when I flew with him, he knew everybody that was around us. By the time we landed, he knew where they were from, uh, where they were going. And it just didn't really matter that much to me. Well, if I want more friends, I need to be friendly. 
But for those of us that maybe are not so friendly, he says there is a friend that's even better than a brother. Now, I didn't have any brothers, and I'd sign up for some. If I had it to do over, I I would put in my request, like Camden, for some brothers. I just think it it just has to be pretty neat to have have some brothers. I mean, look at Tristan back there. He's got a whole host of them, and they're tight. They are. Those boys are tight. But the scripture says, now I'm real thankful. I have a whole lot of brothers in the church and I'm very, very thankful for that. But here's what he says. He says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. But he says, but there is a friend that he even sticks closer than a brother. Who is that? Anybody know? It's Jesus Christ. For those of us that don't have natural brothers... Oh, I really am thankful that I have a spiritual head, Jesus Christ. But even if you have natural brothers, you've got a friend in Jesus that's closer than a brother. Abraham was referred to as a friend of God. Now, wouldn't that be a nice way for you to be referred to? I mean, that would really be. If God said that about you, that you're a friend of God, that, I mean, that, that would really be a great, a great description. In, in John chapter 15, just Jesus Christ tells us right here, he says, um, chapter, John chapter 15, he says, ye are, he's, he's, he's telling us that we're to bear fruit. He's telling us that we are part of the vine that our purpose is to bear fruit and that we are to be followers of his commandments and we're to be disciples and that he is glorified when we bear much fruit. And then he comes down in uh, uh, verse uh, all, all from verse 11 through 16. It's really, really good. Just hit a couple of verses right here. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He says, ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servants knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. And then he says, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And he says, you're to love one another. Even when we're not friendly. Maybe to one another. Even when we don't have all the friends we'd like to have. We have a friend that's always friendly. And that's Jesus Christ. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. You know how much Jesus Christ showed himself to be a friend to you? He gave his life for you. He showed himself to be your friend. We sing this song and it blesses our soul. What a friend we have in Jesus. In in Isaiah, it describes another 
trait of our Savior Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is not only our Savior. Jesus Christ is not only our friend. But Jesus Christ, Isaiah declares right here, is our counselor. Now, I'm very thankful that God blesses us with uh, wonderful counselors in our life. God blesses us with, with parents. God blesses us with brothers and sisters in the church. God blesses us with folks that are wise, that we're able to seek wisdom from, that will give us direction from God's word and, 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 and have our best interest at heart as much as they can. Young folks, God gives you a special gift with your parents to be able to counsel you. And you'll be amazed the older that you get, the more you realize what wisdom that they have if they're seeking and following the Lord. But above all of that, and, and God tells us that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. I, I, I think that that just simply means that some of us that have a tendency to go to one extreme or the other, that when we uh, exercise seeking counsel from godly counselors, it helps us from going from one extreme or the other. Brother Bradley shares this uh, wonderful analogy, and you may have heard it. He, he just repeated this uh, recently at a meeting in Texas when we were out there. He said when he, when he first came among the primitive Baptist, he said he was uh, preaching a series of meetings. I think it was in Kentucky, and he said that... Um, as, uh, as he was riding with this minister that was driving him around, I know Sister Kathy and Brother Steve have heard this. Maybe it was in North Carolina. It was someplace that they had hills and ditches. And he said that as we were driving along, or he was riding, and he said, I always feel better when I'm behind the wheel. But he said this elderly gentleman was driving the car, and his wife was in the back. And he said as we were driving, he took his chewing gum out, and he tried to toss the chewing gum out the window, and it stuck to the window. And so here this gentleman, this elderly minister, is trying to peel this chewing gum off the window. And as he did, he realized that his car was going off the road into one ditch. He said, all of a sudden, his wife let out a big yelp in the back of the car. And when he realized it, he jerked the steering wheel and said he didn't just bring it back up on the road. He went all the way over into the other ditch. Brother Bradley said, if we were going to go into the second ditch, he said, I'd have been just as happy to stay in the first ditch. Well, our tendency is to go from one ditch to the other. Did you know that godly counselors will help keep you from going into one extreme or the other? And that's why he says there is wisdom, there is safety in the multitude of counselors. Now, it's important that you get godly counsel. There's a lot of folks that's, that's real happy to give you advice. 
But you need to make sure that it's not just based on experience. Experience is a great lesson teacher. It teaches us a lot of lessons. But the advice and counsel needs to be based upon God's word. I'm very, very thankful that God blessed me with a godly grandmother, godly grandparents, that when I would ask them a question, they wouldn't just tell me, well, this is what I think that you need to do. They would say, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. And I can remember, especially my grandmother, when I was really young, she would take the Bible and she'd look up in the, they didn't have computers back then or Google was not even heard of. They had to use an old fashioned concordance in the back of the Bible. And my grandparents not only had a a concordance in the back of their Bible, but they had another one that was uh, great big called Strong's. And I'm not sure why they called it this, but they called it Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. And it looked exhaustive. It did. And I can remember them turning and looking up that topic and then reading the verses that related to it. And I don't know if they were doing it for my benefit of being able to learn how to do it myself. Or if that's just how they would seek it. But I knew that if I asked them something, that they would support it with God's word. And that's really important when you seek counsel. But here he tells us that Jesus Christ, one of his titles, is counselor. You can take any... Anything that you're dealing with. You can take your greatest struggle. You may be hindered or afraid to discuss it with your friends or your family. But you can take it to Christ. It tells us in Psalm chapter 23, the 23rd Psalm, that he leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us by the still waters and he restores our soul. Jesus Christ, the perfect counselor, is always 100% of the time going to direct us right. He is. You might come to me and as well-meaning as, as, as I would like to be, I might, I might mislead you. I've lived long enough to realize that I, I don't have all the answers and haven't always been spot on. But Jesus Christ is spot on all the time. And so Jesus Christ is our counselor. The next one. Jesus Christ is our physician. In fact, it says that Jesus Christ is our great physician. It's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. He heals the man of palsy. And then he declares that when he's challenged by the Pharisees and the publicans, he says that he came not for the righteous, but he came to call sinners to repentance. Jesus Christ came for those that are sick. Jesus Christ is our great physician. 
I'm very, very thankful that we live in an area that, that we have uh, access to some of the greatest doctors in the world. People travel here from all over the world. My stepfather was, uh, was getting uh, prepped for uh, going through the, the prep process to, uh, for a cancer surgery several years ago. And so uh, this was maybe 20 years ago. When I tell you the, the story, you'll, you'll recognize. And he said to the, uh, the doctor's assistant that was in there, he said, well, just... Uh, just how good is this doctor? Has he, has he done this surgery many times? And the doctor's assistant said, well, just a couple of months ago, he operated on uh, President George Bush. So it gave him a little more confidence that he probably knew what he was doing. Philip, I'm glad you're here because your granddad taught this lesson right here. Philip's granddad was a an old Baptist minister. And in his latter years, his health began to fail and had lots of setbacks in his latter years. But he said, Brother Stephen, when I get sick, the first place I go is to the Lord. Then he said, I go to the doctor. I'm thankful for the good doctors that God's blessed us with. But I tell you what, we have the great physician, the greatest physician of all. And he knows all about us. And he really knows whether or not we need to get well or not. If it's for his glory and his honor, he'll intervene now you may have a Chevrolet or a Buick or a Lexus or a Toyota and the the folks that are going to know probably or should know the most about it if it needs to be serviced is the dealership that it came from you would think that they would know the most about the car they should know the most about the car if it was the brand that they sold and the brand they represent and they had any involvement in the making of it. Well, Jesus Christ knows all about us. He knows exactly what, how each one of us work. And Jesus Christ is not only the great physician for us from a physical standpoint, but Jesus Christ is also the great physician for us, whether we have a physical need or a mental need. Jesus Christ knows what we need. He is our great physician. Next one in Hebrews, you can jot this down if you want. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, this next one is, is so good. And, and, and Hebrews highlights this a lot. I'm just going to touch on it here, but, but if you want to go through and read Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 7, chapter 10, it, it really, really highlights this principle. Jesus Christ is our salvation. Jesus Christ is our friend. Jesus Christ is our counselor. Jesus Christ is our great physician. And then in Hebrews, we're taught that Jesus Christ is our high priest. 
Let's look at it right here. Chapter 4, verse uh, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. And then he tells us who this is. He says, Jesus Christ, Jesus, the son of God. He says, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not, and it, it's, it's some double negatives here, but he says, which make it an affirmative. He says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I don't question the Holy Spirit and why they wrote it this way. I'm sure there was a purpose and a reason in mind. But the way I interpret it is this, that you do have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Now that's some good news. Sister Perry is the only person I know. She just reaffirmed it last week at 103 years old. She said, I don't have a pain in my body. Now that's amazing. It's amazing for anybody, but it's amazing at 103 years of age. But for the rest of us that do have infirmities, I can give you some encouragement right here that you have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Now, it doesn't all only have to be physical infirmities. It could be anything that you face or challenge in your life that Jesus Christ knows what your infirmity is. An infirmity is generally something that bogs you down. An infirmity is something you'd really kind of like to get rid of. An infirmity is something you wish you didn't have and you wouldn't wish it on anybody else. Whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's a struggle that you have, whatever it is, this infirmative, maybe no one else can understand. But Jesus Christ does. Because he is our high priest that's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now look what it says. He, was in, he says, but in all points tempted like as we are. Anybody here ever have any struggle with temptation? Jesus Christ was tempted directly from Satan himself. It says Jesus Christ was tempted like as we are. But Jesus Christ can, is the only one that can make this claim right here. It says Jesus Christ was tempted in all points, yet without sin. Usually when we're tempted, oftentimes the end result is sin. And... It just seems like Satan tempts us in areas that he knows are our weaknesses. Here it says, Jesus Christ was tempted, but he was without sin. And then he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and we may find grace to help in time of need. Now, you can go through and read. Uh, chapter 7, chapter 10, it talks about Jesus Christ being our high priest. And it talks about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ being made one time. It refers to the old high priest and the sacrifices that were made, all of the, the animal sacrifices and offerings, and that those sacrifices really did not pay the price for our sins. But they were pointing to something else. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, in Hebrews chapter 10, that Jesus Christ came and he made one offering. 
He's not making multiple offerings. But he made one offering. And this offering was sufficient for all the sins of his people for all time. So you have a high priest. You have a great high priest. I'm thankful you don't have to write down your prayer request and send them off with a check somewhere. But you can take your petitions and your needs right directly to the source. Jesus Christ is in heaven. And we're taught that Jesus Christ is interceding on the right hand of God for you and I. You know, I kind of think of it this way. I might present a prayer. And I might think I know what I need. Or what you need. And it might not be exactly for the Lord's glory. Or my good. And I'm thankful I have a mediator. Jesus Christ who knows what I need and Jesus Christ can take that prayer and he can delete it add to it modify it and then present it to the father and I'm thankful I have Christ as my mediator my high priest and my advocate the next one Anybody ever go through seasons of discouragement? You can read Isaiah chapter 35. And it proclaims the gospel message right here. It declares that the message of Christ is a message of hope. It's a message of strength. That it is for the purpose of encouraging God's people. I like, I like the name uh, Barnabas. If I had a son, that's probably what I would name him. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Maybe I will someday. And so, uh, why are you laughing? Uh, I, I, like, I like the name Barnabas. You know what it means? Son of encouragement. Man, I want to be a Barnabas. But sometimes I'm not encouraged myself. And then I think to myself, how in the world can I try to stand before the Lord's people and encourage them when I'm not encouraged? Brother Steve, you ever get discouraged? Sometimes we all get discouraged and then we think, well, I'll look to something else to encourage me or somebody else. That may be a blessing. No doubt. Michael's encouraging Katie and Katie's encouraging Michael. I mean, you can just see it uh, when they're together. Even when they're not, they're encouraged. What a great blessing that is. In Isaiah, it tells us that when it looks like a desolate time, a desolate situation, that here comes this gospel message of Jesus Christ, of of the power and strength of Christ, and how that it encourages us when we're discouraged. And then... David said when it looked like in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it looked like everything was against him. It looked like that people were attempting to take his life and destroy him. 
And it looked like David looked around and he couldn't find anywhere or anyone that he could get encouragement from. His own family was against him. And it said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to tell you, if everybody else does forsake you, you still have the Lord. And he says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. The next one that is, is a, a great example and, and encouragement for us right here is Second uh, uh, Timothy. Um, and this is Paul's, Paul's account. He, he goes through, and Paul is always great to note the folks that, that have been a blessing to him in his life and his ministry. And he, he's, he's so thankful for the folks that God has put in his life and, and, and just always ready to encourage other people in that. But then Paul is just realistic right here. He said there's some folks that forsook him in the ministry. He said, Demas, chapter 4, verse 10 of 2 Timothy, he says, Demas, Demas hath forsaken me. And he even tells us why Demas forsook him. Demas was headed in the right direction, serving the Lord, laboring with Paul. And he says, but Demas hath forsaken me because he says he loved this present world. He forsook him. That's discouraging. It is. It is. Then he comes down and he said, not only did some forsake me. He said there were actually some that actually wanted to do me some evil. He said, Alexander, the coppersmith did me much evil. And he said, the Lord will reward him according to his works. He says, of whom thou uh, were also, he said, for he greatly withstood our words. He, he says, some forsook me. Some desired to actually do harm. And he said, at first, he said, I looked around and Paul said, and it looked like that no man stood with me. And he said, all men forsook me. Now, I want to tell you, I believe we have the example in the scriptures of Moses and Aaron and her. And I believe that example in God's word is that we should be encouraging one another as we live here in this life. And I've counseled young ministers that are laboring under older ministers in different areas. I said the best role that you can fulfill is just like Brother Steve did with Elder Compton. You fulfill the role of an Aaron and a Hur, and you get on each side of Moses and you hold up their arms. It doesn't matter if they're 60, 70, 80, 90 years of age. You hold up their arms and encourage them along the way. And that's the best role that you can fulfill here in this life. Brother Steve was blessed to do that with Elder Compton at Columbia. And what a wonderful transition that they experienced. But Paul said, all men. He said, I looked around and all men forsook me. Now, I've been down a few times, but I've never been to this point that I felt like that 
Everybody had forsaken me. But if you are, if you are, I want you to look at what Paul said. He said, all men forsook me. And I pray that it might not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding that the Lord stood with me. All men may forsake you. But I tell you what, if the Lord holds you up, that's the main one. Jesus told Thomas, he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm, I'm, I'm the all. Jesus Christ is our all. Jesus Christ is our salvation. Doesn't matter if it's eternal salvation you're talking about or right here in time. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is the author of all of our salvation. He's our, all of our power. Jesus Christ is number one, our salvation. Jesus Christ is our friend. Jesus Christ is our counselor. Number four, Jesus Christ is our great physician. Jesus Christ is our high priest. And Jesus Christ is our great encourager. He encourages us along the way. We ought to pray that we're all like Barnabas. But if we're not, and if we're not in a room full of Barnabases, we can be very thankful that Jesus Christ is our encouragement. David and Paul set the example of being encouraged in the Lord. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this special podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.